Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I'm so glad you guys are here today. Well, I know you're all ready for me to tell you what's going on, so I guess I will. <laughs> um, you know, when I was, I was saved at 16 years old, and the Lord really got a hold of my heart and began to radically change my life. And over the course of the next few years, he began to really mold me and began to make me into the young man of God he wanted me to be, and he's obviously still doing a lot of work on me. But one of the things I used to pray because of the salvation experience that I had, having grown up in the church but really not knowing God, and then all of a sudden having the revelation of who God is revealed to me, it really impacted my life. And I'm really passionate about us not just being in church or attending church or playing church, but being the church, being the feet of Jesus. And that only comes when you experience the presence of God. When you know who he really is, not what the books say, not the religious functions, but the actual presence of God. And Trish and I are both very passionate about that. Young men, pray, God, <laughs> you're going to love this. I want to be on the tip of the spear that you jab into Satan's guts. I want to say that again. God, I want to be on the tip of the spear that you jab into Satan's guts. I don't know if you know anything about the special things understand something I believe that God has called me to be in the special forces for the army of God and, and the thing about the special forces is it's not comfortable right it's not a fun place to be so if you want to be a problem church I mean we're, we're the army of God the Bible tells us that we're the army of God and my personal calling is that I want to be out front I want to be the one out front. I want to make an impact. And that's what we do as a church. And that's a special calling. But I want you to know, living that way can be very uncomfortable sometimes. Can anybody say amen? Because when you're on the forefront, you're on the forefront. <laughs> and you're getting to see it and experience it. But, but something, sometimes God does things that I call one-upping you. And, and if you've been around me any period of time, you know that, that I like being out there and doing these things, and I want us to make an impact for the kingdom of God, and I believe our church does, for sure. Well, this week I got a phone call. Uh, a few months ago, Jack Lowe, everybody knows Jack. Wave at everybody, Jack. Jack uh, was over in uh, Tennessee at a, a class reunion, correct? And uh, one of the, the, the girls that he'd gone to school with is married to a gentleman out that direction. And anyway, Jack began to share the backpack event and, and our church and what we do is outreach ministries. And this gentleman became really excited about that. Well, it turns out this gentleman is involved in a church of about 14,000 people over in Memphis. And they went to our church website and saw the videos and talked to Jack. And, and he contacted me this week and he said, Chris, he said, I'm part of a group of guys that does ministry around the world. We travel all over the world and do ministry. We've got doctors and lawyers and all these different people involved. But we really been not I don't know if overwhelms the right word impressed with what God's done 
in Sharp County and what you guys are doing as a church. And he said, so I want to tell you something. We want to help you guys out this year. That gets my attention. <laughs> and I said, well, well, what are you thinking, Tom? And he said, well, we're part of an organization that has brand new clothes donated to us. These are clothes that come off the racks of department stores, and, and we store them. He said, right now we have 45 shipping containers full of brand new clothes. He said, what we'd like to do is come out to your event this year, and we want to give away brand new clothes to all the kids that come. And he said, not only do we want to give them away, but we're bringing volunteers from our church that will also distribute. And they've already got 16 people signed up from their church in Memphis. So they're going to come down on Friday, get set up. So not only are we giving away 1,000 backpacks, we've got local dentists uh, coming in to do checks for kids with seven hygienists. We've got doctors doing wellness checks. The Lions Club doing vision checks. We're going to give away 1,000 pairs of shoes. But we're also going to give away at least 1,000 pairs of clothes to kids. And bless them. Guys, God is moving. And he is doing. And I want to tell you, and this should, those of you that know me understand this. I'm in the truck and I start crying. And this is just after I told the guy that I was also a deputy. So I don't know what he thinks of me now. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just crying. He goes, bro, it's all right. We're all on the same team. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I don't know what to do that. You know. <laughs> so I get out of my truck and I shut the door and I looked up at God and I said, you one up to me again. I never saw that coming. And I brought the staff together and began to talk to them. And I want you to hear this as a church for your own personal life. When you step out in faith and do what God calls you to do, it may be a scary place, but it's also where you see God do miracles and change things. And if, and if you're so reserved and you're standing back, I want to encourage you. If you're, if you're back there and you're timid and you're not sure, you don't ever really get to see God move. You know, the, the disciples in the boat, when they were crossing the sea, they looked out and saw Jesus, and he was walking on the water. And Peter said, I want to do that. But the other disciples stayed in the boat, but Peter's the one that got to experience walking on the water. And was it scary? The Bible tells us he looked at the wind and waves, and he got scared. And he began to sink, but Jesus lifted him up. But they walked back on the water together. And I want you to know that sometimes in life, if you want to see God move, you've got to step out in faith and begin to step out and watch him do it. And I want to encourage you also, over the next few weeks, it's getting really busy. We had over 100 calls this week just to register for the event. We're expecting four to 5,000 people. There's going to be a lot of people here that day. I want you to prepare to be here to, to serve. We're also going to have opportunities coming up to prepare for the event. We've got to stuff the backpacks and get the property ready and all these different things. We need your help. Some of you say, well, I can't be out in the heat. Then we'll bring you in here, and you can do things inside. There is something for everybody to do. The little kids, Angie's class, they're going to be driving around handing out water, not them driving around. There will be an adult driving them around. They'll be handing out water. We, and you know what? Let me tell you why we're doing that. Because you are the hands and feet of Jesus. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, God wants to use you. And we want to teach our kids to begin to serve now. Right? And participate in ministry. And the Bible says, Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, we're going to do that. And so we're going to have all kinds of opportunities for you. And I want to mention this today. If there's some of you that have time during the week, we need people to come up here and answer the phones. You know, Tana was telling me this morning as she's been doing the registration, just this past week, she had five moms and grandmothers crying on the phone. 
telling her thank you. As they're signing up for the event, ministry is already taking place. God is already touching lives. And so you get to participate in that. Now next week we're going to take up an offering and I need you to give. I want you to give. But also I want you to serve. Amen? So let's, let's join our faith together to do that. And God's going to do great things in our community. And there's more coming and I'll share more about later. But just know that God is expanding and moving and doing. Also, we have churches from around the state that are coming up this year to see how we do this event. So that they can take it back home and begin to do it in their communities. What God is doing here, he's spreading to other places. Amen? And you're a part of that. Let's give him praise this morning. Come on. He's good. You know, Jack and I were talking. We talk a lot. And, and, and we were just talking about how God's moving and doing. And, and you never know when a conversation can lead it to something like that. And, and so just get out and share God's love with people and see what he begins to do. And Oral, we thank you guys for being involved with the Bibles. Because the bottom line with this event, guys... Is, is shoes are going to wear out and clothes are going to wear out and all those things, but the word of God is not going to return void. And our goal with this event is to introduce people to Jesus. We are planting seeds. And that's why it's so important that you're here because we want people to see the tangible love of God expressed to them. Amen? There are families that are part of this congregation today and their first touch with this church was the backpack event. And I love that because that's, that's what it's about. It's about changing lives. Well, let's talk a few minutes about last week. I'm going to get into the message. My, my title of the sermon today is Lessons from the Cave. If you missed last week or you need a refresher because some of you, you know, forget things. Um, last week we talked about that King David had, had, before he was king, he'd been anointed king, but now he's running from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. And remember, David went from complete obscurity, from being out there tending sheep, to now he's part of the royal family. He's married to King Saul's daughter. His best friend is Jonathan, who's a prince of, of Israel. He, he's in the court. He's a, a mighty commander in the army, and he's got all these victories, and everybody's high-fiving him and, and saying how great David. I mean, he is, shot, he is the man. He is the MVP. And then in an extremely short period of time, he goes from being the beloved of the country to being the most wanted in the country. And over a series of events, David has, he loses his job, loses his wife, loses his best friend. He's on the run. He doesn't know what's going on with his family. And he ends up going back at the lowest of the low place. He goes back to Gath, which is where Goliath was from. And he ends up feigning madness, acting like he's crazy to the king of the country that he defeated his greatest giant for. The king kicks him out. <laughs> Think about that. The king kicked him out because he didn't want any more crazy people in his court. David is at the, his lowest point, I'm sure, in his life right now, up to date. And he runs away. And he goes, the Bible tells us, he goes to a place called Adullam, a cave of Adullam, and there he's hiding out. And, and we're going to talk today about lessons from the cave. Lessons from the cave. There, there are reasons that we go through experiences in life like this. There are, there are God-ordained seasons in your life where, where you will go through times where you will be separated and you feel like being picked on. Because like Trish said, 
God is more interested in your growth than he is interested in your comfort. You know, and I heard another pastor was speaking this week and he and I were talking and, and he was talking about in his life that, that he's a hard charger and he's really a, kind of a letter of the law guy and, 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 and that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and he talked about that and they had me close the meeting in prayer and he said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of law and toughness. And I got up on the stage and I said, and I'm love and grace. <laughs> You know, that, that's kind of my personality. I mean, because God has forgiven me so much and done so many things in my life, I have a lot of grace and compassion for people because God has had a lot of grace and compassion on me. And I believe that a lot of the ministry that he's called me to is to reach people like me. Bless your heart if that's you today. But I want you to understand there are seasons that we all go through regardless of how we look or believe on things, you know, with our faith in God, with our Christian faith. We're going to go through seasons where you're going to feel separated, when you're going to feel alone, when all the crutches that you lean on are taken away. And I want you to know today that if that's you, you're actually in a very, very good place. Because in our lives, as we grow, as we grow closer to God and we become the people that he wants us to be, it's usually the cave that is a defining moment for us. It's usually in the cave where we become the people that God wants us to be. See, what happened to David is he went from nobody to somebody to nobody again. Actually, less than nobody. And he was broken. And he had a choice to make, and we're going to talk about that choice in a few minutes. If you've got your notes today, look it up, or it's going to be on the screen. Becky's got it up there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. As the Holy Spirit declared through Paul, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many of you are wise men after the flesh, not many of you are mighty, not many of you are noble that are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen. Yes, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things which are. Listen to this last statement. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Let me tell you why we have caves. You know, caves are to break you down and bring you to the place where you have complete dependence upon God. Because, see, I don't know if you're like me, but, but you can become, when, when God's blessing you, it is so easy for us to, to think it's us. Have you ever felt that way before? You know, like, yeah, thank you for being honest. Um, you know, where, where you feel like, man, it's all about me. I got this figured out. Anybody ever felt that way before? I'm successful because of all my hard work. And there's truth in that. But I want you to understand something today. You are only successful because God allows you to be. And the Bible tells us very clearly right here, the reason he uses the weak things so many times is because the weak things know that it has to be God. The weak things realize that if God doesn't do it, it isn't going to happen. One of the reasons that David was able to stand before Goliath is because he knew that if God didn't help him, he was a dead man. And when he stood out there and he started swinging that sling around, it was either God or he was going to die. But he had confidence in God. And he was weak. 
And so God now takes David back with just a few years from that event happening, takes him now to the place where he's even lower than he was before. And he's got a decision to make. So I want to ask you this question this morning. Why do you think God seems to use the weak and the unknown? The things and the people that are overlooked to shine his power through. And I want you to hear this statement. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, you all have probably heard the story of the Titanic, the ship that sank way back in the day. What did they call that ship? Unsinkable. How'd that work out? And I want you to understand that God's not mean like that. I, I, I don't want you to think, but whenever you start going that God could not sink this ship, dude, I am walking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you ever get in the car with somebody that says, I got this figured out, I, you know, I, I don't, we don't need God, please get out. The Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And the reason he does is because we, we draw our breath because of him. We are his creations. The Bible tells us that before we were even formed in the womb, he knew us. And the reason he opposes the proud, whenever you stand up and go, I got this, I can do it, blah, blah, blah. You, that's, that's pride, and God hates pride. And he opposes it. And so there was obviously a lesson that God was trying to teach David here, wasn't he? Because I can imagine if I was David and I killed Goliath and now I'm married to the princess and the prince is my buddy and, and I'm a great commander. Every time I go out, you know, we're winning battles. What do you think could have started happening? Come on. Pride. It's all about me. You know, I mean... It, it can get that way. And I want to tell you, you know, if people are always going around going, you're the best, you're the greatest, you're the, you know, and, and you can, you'll start believing that. But God was calling David to shepherd Israel, his country. And so he had to know that the man that he was putting in charge of the country, his heart was completely his. And I want you to understand today, God does not want to be mean to you. It is not God's purpose or plan to be mean to you. But God is more interested in your growth than your comfort. And you need to learn right now that if you start getting prideful and puffed up, that a fall is coming. And you need to back up and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because that's coming. And I think we need to remember that. And I, so let's understand where David is right now. His, he's going through a crisis. His crutches are gone. Everything that he's relied on in his life is now gone. And he is in a cave. Have you ever noticed that people have a tendency to want to kick people when they're down? Have you ever noticed that? You know, I've even heard it, heard it said that, that the army of God, the church of, churches of God are the, the only army that shoots their wounded. And a lot of times as a Christian, when you go through a hard time, you know, maybe you're going through some challenges, maybe you're going through a cave time, even the Christian people around you will look at you and go, there must be sin in their life. Sinner. Just go ahead and confess your sin, you sinner. Come on, I'm speaking truth right now. In a very silly voice. <laughs> But I'm telling you the truth. You start stumbling and going through a hard time. And it's a cave. 
a God-ordained cave for you, for God to begin to work things in your life. And the very people that should come around you and pray for you and lift you up are going, sinner, don't touch them, unclean, like you're a leper or something. I'm speaking truth right now, y'all. And you know what should happen when we see our brothers and sisters go through those kind of situations? We should run to them. We should run to them and pray for them and be there and stand with them. You know, I wrote a quote today that I want you to to hear. If you want to know who is really with you and for you in life, go through a crisis and then look around. (laughs) I hope somebody makes a plaque out of this because I think this is awesome. (laughs) With my picture. You know, (laughs) but seriously, cut this out and put it on your refrigerator. If you want to know who is really with you and for you in life, go through a crisis and then look around. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that? I seem to recall Jesus telling the story of a prodigal. And as long as he had money, he had friends. And when the money ran out, He had no friends. I think in the English language, we call that fair weather friends. And and that's what we've got to look for in life. When we go through crisis situations, we need people that are going to be there no matter what. They're going to stand with you no matter what. Look at number one on your notes. Number one, we need people to stand with us in crisis. We need people to stand with us in crisis. I want you to understand today, this is not in your notes, but you need to write it down. Here's the way the devil works. He works like any other predator. He wants to separate you from the crowd, from the the herd, and call you out of the herd, and then eat your lunch. And so many of us, when we go through hard times, you know what we do? We go through a struggle time. We go through a hard time, and we withdraw. You know what I'm talking about? We withdraw, and, and, and then we pull ourselves away, and that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to withdraw and pull away. Men, we're the worst. Are you going through a hard time, honey? Yes, I am. Don't talk to me. <laughs> well, honey, what are you going to do? I'm going to go off in the woods and die. I'm going to go find me a cave. Why do you think, ladies, we call them man caves? Because <laughs> we want to be alone retreat. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't spend some time alone. It's healthy to do that. But you know the difference. You know what I'm talking about. When, when things are going so bad and you say, no, I'm not going to church today. I'm having too hard a time. That's like saying, I broke my leg, but I'm not going to the doctor. I'll go. I'll figure this out myself. Y'all, come on, that's stupid. Somebody goes, oh, he just called me stupid. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. When you're going through these different crises, you need to understand how you need to respond. Because sometimes it's life and death. Sometimes it's life and death. Imagine having a heart attack, I'll be Okay. I'm just going to sit here and watch TV. Really? 
No. Listen to this. 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, New King James Version. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And listen to this last statement. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. David's family began to come to him when they found out where he was. Now understand something. If you're America's most wanted, and so they're going down there, they're taking a risk with their lives to go down there and see David. But you know what? You've heard that statement, blood is thicker than water, and that's what they began to, get, they began to gather around David as a family. But something else can ha- happen here too. Look at number two on your, oh, excuse me, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Did you know that there's people that God has brought into your life so that when you go through a hard time, they will stand there with you? They will stand there with you. God brings people into your life that way. And sometimes it's good to go through a crisis because you get to see who's really for you and who's not. And that's a good thing to know, y'all. That is a good thing to know. Here's number two on your notes. Your crisis can bless others if you will give, him to, give it to God and let him have it. Your crisis can bless others if you will give it to God and let him have it. If is a huge word. If. If, if you wander off and do your thing, it's not going to be a blessing to anybody and it might kill you. But if you will surrender your challenge to God, he will use it to bless other people. Amen? Listen to Genesis 50, 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Remember I told you the story the other day about Joseph and, and Joseph's brothers took him and threw him in the pit and then sold him into slavery. Then he ended up in a dungeon, which was a cave. And years later, when God had promoted him out of that, now he was the number two man in Egypt, he meets his brothers again. Payback time, right? But something happened in the cave. Something happened in the cave. See, caves change us. Caves change us. They mark us. And God speaks to us during those cave periods. And so, in Joseph's caves period, God changed his heart. And he looks at his brothers and he says, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And listen to the end result. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. The end result of Joseph's cave experience was to save many people. The end result of David's cave experience was not only to change his heart, but it was to save many people. And I want you to hear this. Hear this. This is a if you don't listen to anything else part. The cave experiences that you go through are not just for you. They are for you, but they're to save many other people. If you've gone through challenges and situations in life and you've turned it over to God, if you beat cancer, God's using that for you to help other people beat it too. 
If you've survived a horrible divorce, God's using that. If you'll turn it over to him and let him change your heart. And you will be able to minister to other people. Caves are to change you. Romans 8, 28. Listen to this. And we know that all things work together for the good to those that love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. Listen to this. Uh, this part, you got to catch it. And we know that some things. What? What are you going to believe? I mean, that's kind of hard to argue with, isn't it? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those that are called according to his purpose. This is bottom line stuff right here, guys. What that says is no matter what you go through, if you love God and are called according to his purpose, if you will surrender that to God, it will work out for good. No matter what it looks like. That's amazing. Do you understand the promise that's right there? That means the most horrible situation you could think about, God can turn that around and use it not only for your good, but for the good of other people. Some of you maybe were abused or abandoned as children. Horrible. I'm telling you, if you will surrender that to God, he will use it for good. Some of you, horrible divorces, some of you, disease, some of you, whatever. And I, I promise you, I could sit down with everybody in this room and say, give me the top three horrible things that have happened in your life. Some of you would say, you only want three? Because there are stories in here that would probably make most of our toes curl up. But the happiest people I know and the most joyful people I know are those that have faced their giants. They faced Goliath. They've been in their cave when they were lost, alone, and secluded. And they surrendered that cave experience to God, and he changed their heart. And I want you to understand, the greatest miracle today is not somebody rising from the dead. In my opinion, the greatest miracle is a changed heart. A real changed heart. When the Spirit of God comes into our life and changes a heart and changes a life and somebody that was bitter is now fresh and somebody that was broken is now healed and Jesus said that's what he came to do. Came to seek and save that which is lost to heal the brokenhearted, to open the eyes of the blind. That is awesome. That is us. But we have to decide how we're gonna handle our cave experiences. Number three, change your perspective and change your world. Change your perspective and change your world. There came a point when Joseph was in the cave. There came a point when David was in the cave. There comes a point in every person's life when you are going through a crisis where you either crater or you give it to God. Fact. There are some of you that are, this is a God thing. There are some of you that are in here today that have walked away from God for a long time and you realize that does not work. And it took you years to figure that out. And you've come back today or maybe over the past few weeks and months and you've come back because now you're beginning to understand that I gotta turn this thing over to God because I cannot do it. And you're right. The challenge for most of us is shortening that time span. 
Some of you say, well, pastor, I'm in a cave right now. How long is it going to take? As long as it takes. Pastor, that sounds like it could be a long time. Yes, I know it could. Well, pastor, what do I do? Well, you know what I would do? I would surrender to him and say, Father, microwave me. (laughs) But if you're hard-headed today, it may take you stewing a little bit longer. But the wise person says, Father, this is hard, and I'm going to lay it at your feet. Fix it. Take me. Whatever you need to do. There's freedom in that surrender. Listen to this, 1 Samuel 22, 2. First thing that happened is David's family heard where he was, and they all showed up, had a family reunion. The second thing that happened is everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. So here's the process that this works. David is in the cave. David goes through this crisis time. He gives it to God, and it changes his heart. I'm going to show you where this happens in Scripture in a second because I just saw it this week, and it's really cool. So the first thing that happens is God changes David's heart. Then his family comes along. They high-five each other, and they're glad to see each other, right? But then what happens is all these other people who are broke and in distress and discontent and all that, they show up. And David became a captain for them. And I highlighted that in my notes because he chose now to lead these people. And who better to stand in front of a group of people like that than somebody that's just been the same way? Just been the same way. But God changes his heart. So now David walks out of the cave different. And the first people that he led as king was this group of people. But I want you to understand something later. When we read the stories of Benaiah, the lion chaser, and we read the stories of David's mighty men, this is who they were. This bunch. Many of them were this discontented bunch. And that's who God brought to him, so that's who David poured his life into. And I want you to understand something. They were at the bottom of the food chain. They had nowhere else to go but up, did they? Do you notice that that God didn't send to David all the hoity-toities of the land? Right? Why? Pride. God sent him everybody that was at the bottom of the food chain because the only way they had to go was up, and they needed somebody to help them get up. So they went to the guy that, can you imagine? I can imagine God speaking to David saying, all right, man, I'm sending you an army. Yes, Lord. You know, and he, I don't know where that came from. I have no idea. I have no idea. Marty, you can erase that later. Um, but but he, can you imagine he walks out of the cave and there's everybody you don't want to see. Here we are, David, save us. So David says, let me tell you how this is going to work. I know what it's like to be in your spot. But there's a God in heaven that hears your prayers and can heal you. And they began to change from the inside out. And they became this mighty group of warriors that literally changed that country and ultimately changed the world. So if you're here today and you say, God doesn't want me. No, he does want you. He will change you from the inside out. 
I love that about him. That's amazing to me. These people were rejected by society. They were rejected by the system. They did not fit into the social side or the religious side of things. They were outcasts, just like David. But they were chosen by God. Caves will do that to you if you're willing. Caves will do that to you if you're willing. Let's look at Psalm 142 real quick. Becky's going to have it up on the screen. And then I'm going to close eventually. David's two psalms here. He wrote these psalms while he was in the cave, okay? I cry out to the Lord and I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and I tell him all my troubles. For I am overwhelmed and, and you alone know the way that I should turn. Wherever, my go, wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Verse 5, then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so that I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you treat me kindly. Let's turn to another psalm, Psalm 57. Same place, he wrote it while he was in the cave. Have mercy on me, God, have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until this violent storm is past. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to save me, rescuing me from those who are out to get me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and his faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, listen to this next statement, and whose tongues cut like swords. You ever had somebody talk bad about you before? There you go. But listen to this next statement. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. David begins to tell his problems who God is. He begins to praise God. In the, imagine, he's in the back of this cave, lost everything, all alone. Here he is, and he's, he's telling us clearly, I'm pouring out my complaints to God. Can you imagine what that sounded like? But God knows. God knows. Listen to this. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path. And right here, this verse, verse 6, right here, halfway through, is where I see David's heart's heart change. Listen to this. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. Listen to this, verse 7. My heart is confident in you, O God. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, O harp and lyre. I will wake in the dawn with my song. In other words, he's getting up before daylight and praising God. In the midst of this, in the midst of it, 
He hasn't been delivered yet, but he sees it in faith. And he begins to praise God for what God is going to do. That's what a changed heart looks like. I will thank you, Lord, in front of all the people. I will sing your praise among the nation, for your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. There's a song we sing that. It says, your love, O Lord, is higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness, God, reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. So here's the big question. When you're in a cave, what do you do? Here's what you do. You praise God. You surrender your situation to God and you trust him and you allow him to work whatever he needs to work out in your life. You lay it at his feet and say, God, whatever you want to do, work this out in me. God, I'm going to praise you anyway and I'm going to get up in front of the people and praise you. Think about how different that was. Remember when David was winning all his battles, who's praising David? The crowd. And he's going, oh, yeah. But now he's turned that around. And now what he's doing is said, I'm going to stand up in front of all the people and praise you. And he teaches that army of rabble how to become mighty warriors for God. And he praises God in the middle of his storm. And that's what you need to learn to do too. I'm going to close here. Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and the Good Samaritan helped the guy that was beat up on the side of the road. Samaritans were outcasts. There's a theme here. They were rejected by the Jews as unclean. And Jesus tells the story to the religious folks about how this unclean man ministered to this man. And at the end of the story, Jesus said, who is a neighbor to this man? And the priest said, the one that helped him. And Jesus said these words, go and do likewise. And I would say to you, in the middle of your pain, in the middle of the challenge that you're facing, no matter what the issue is that you're going through, no matter what part of the cave that you feel like you're in, I want to tell you this today, go and do likewise. Begin to praise God in your storm. Begin to allow him to work in your heart. Begin to allow him to flow through you and love other people, even in the midst of your pain. And I want you to understand something today. As you do that, he's gonna change your heart and he's gonna change their life. Do you hear me? Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your love and your mercy that's over us. Lord, I thank you today that, that your compassion is so great that flows to us. And Lord, I pray especially today for those that are in a cave. I know there are people here today that are broken. I know there are people here today that, Father, they feel rejected. They feel like they're an outcast. They feel alone. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would minister to them right now. That, Father, you would speak to them. If you're here today, a little different today. If you're here and you're, you're facing a cave experience, I want you to just get up and come down to the altar and we're going to pray for you. There's no shame in it.
If you're here and you're facing a challenge and you just want somebody to agree with you in prayer, that you want people to gather around you and help you, then today's your day. I'm just going to give the, just a minute, just to come out and come down. We're going to pray for you. Anybody?
Well, Dylan accepted Christ this week. Let's give him a big hand. He was with his aunt and he accepted the Lord and that's awesome. One of the happiest people I know. And I want to tell you this week, just so you guys know, we had four kids other than Dylan accept Jesus this week in services. Four kids. We also had one adult. So there's five, six new people in the kingdom of God this week. love you guys so much. Dylan, I'm proud of you, buddy. Hey, if you'll talk to Dwight, Dylan, I bet he can put a 350 on that motor for you. <laughs> get you out there and get you after it. <laughs> Sorry. Don't ever lose sight of what's important. You understand me? Don't ever lose sight of it. Draw close to God. Stay close to Him. Life is short. And we need to love each other. And I want to encourage you today that if there's anything you've got against anybody, get over it. Get past it. Forgive and move on. Love the people around you. Hug your kids, your friends. Tell them you appreciate them. I got to tell you what happened to me last night. Whoa. I got to tell you what happened to me last night. I got an email from a guy that I went to high school with. This will tell you how old I am. He said, 31 years ago, you helped lead me to the Lord. And I just want you to know I'm still serving God. He's a police officer in Texas. He said, but I got to just tell you, I mean, we went to high school together. And he found me because I can't hide I don't do Facebook on purpose. I just want y'all to know because I'm bad about following up on stuff like that. But he said, I just want to encourage you, man, and just tell you thank you. What you do matters, y'all. The love that you give matters. And one of these days when this world's gone, you know what's going to matter? Your relationship with God and your relationship with other people and what you've done in their lives. Don't forget that. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. Grab your neighbor's hand if you don't mind. You glad you came to church today? Me too. Father, I just thank you today for this, this family. Lord, I just pray that you'd bless us. Lord, as we leave this place, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be in us. That, Father, we wouldn't be <laughs> trying to be Christians. We'd just be your people. And Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and that your light would shine out of us. And Father, that we would be your hands and feet. That we would give words of love and grace to people. That Father, we would practically help those people around us and we would just point them to you. And that they would come to knowledge of who you are. Father, just use us. Love us, Father. Help us to love you more. And I just thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you'd you bless us all today as we go. Keep your hand on us. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. God is good. Let's give him praise.